Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Ball Caps and Bagpipes, a Scottish baseball podcast. I'm former Glasgow Comets outfielder John McKayla. And I'm Jason Durr, former manager of the Edinburgh Cannons and Baseball Scotland Hall of Fame. The Cannons are the club that we've decided to focus on this this particular episode. Jason, your former teammates, um, a couple of guys who I'd assume you know pretty well are going to be on the show. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I've known Rory for almost the 16 years I've been in Scotland here. So he's been with us for almost day one. And Ren joined a few years ago. And uh, he's a quite a promising player. Player. He's uh, working out on the under-23 Great Britain squad. So I don't think he's quite made the team yet, but we'll ask him about indeed, it. Indeed, uh, and I'll look, I'll look forward to this chat. Uh, Ren and Rory, uh, a couple of guys I've played against uh, quite a few times. As you say, they've both been kind of around for a while. Uh, I think we've played them many times, actually. Uh, don't really know them, so it's going to be interesting to to get their insights on this past season for the Cannons. Um, before we get into the meat of the uh, the show today, we've missed two uh, pretty huge events in baseball, one in Scotland and obviously one in the major leagues. Let's quickly recap those uh, before we do. Though, um, apologies to everyone listening for the lengthy delay between episodes. Uh, I was uh, away to Poland and then I've been on kind of funny shifts and I've just had a really busy schedule and stuff like that. So it's been a while since we've uh, managed to get an episode out. Um, but we'll try and make it a bit more regular uh, as the off-season progresses. Um, the Caledonia Classic then. Um, I had predicted a shock for the Express uh, winning. Uh, that wasn't the case. The Galaxy became the first club uh, in Scottish National League history, I believe, to win a cup and league double. Well, it's only been going for two years, but yes, the absolutely qualifies as the first time it's ever been done. Yeah, uh, what a season those guys had. You were trying. To, I think you were trying to use a little reverse psychology there. I think you were secretly pulling for them to win. <laughs> so um, there was another pretty major thing happened in baseball uh, in the world uh, in the world of baseball, the World Series. Uh, what a World Series that was! It was a good one. I, I unfortunately, I think I caught about four innings of that because of the time right. zone difference. So, uh, I did stay up till two o'clock in the morning on Game Seven. I got to the sixth inning, and I thought the Astros had it in their hand. And uh, I went to bed. Oh dear, you missed uh, you missed quite an ending. Then, obviously, the I, Washington I Nationals um, World Series champions in seven games. Um, I honestly thought. After the Astros pulled it back from the two zero deficit, that they were gonna, that they were just gonna crush them, um, and it was looking for all intents and purposes like that was gonna happen, right up until the eleventh hour. I was hoping they were gonna win it because I, uh, I have some people from Montreal and I have some friends that were Expos fans, and um, it was bittersweet for them. But I think they were they were okay if they could still an Expos team in the Nationals. So the Montreal Expos are the world champions. Yeah, exactly, you know? It's so, a great story. So I, I can understand, like, I mean, the reference basketball, I mean, I'm a Seattle Sonics fan, you know, and uh, I hate to see Oklahoma City do well. So uh, I'm begrudgingly, if they won, I don't think I'd be happy. But uh, it seemed the extra fans I know, they were pretty happy that at least their team origins go there. So Yeah. Um, what a season of baseball it was. It was a season of ups and downs. Um in controversies uh, with the umpires, with the baseballs, with the kind of modern philosophy of baseball kind of came under fire as well. The sort of any out is the same as like any other, like a strikeout is just a single out, whereas it's not a double play. 
that whole philosophy seems to be getting more and more attention. Um, quite very quickly before we uh, get into our guests, how do you feel about that philosophy, Jason? You know, I, I, I hate to sound like a grumpy old man, but uh, the, the three true outcome, uh, I don't find it that exciting. You know, I'm, I'm definitely put the ball in play, move runners over, try to get a couple runs here. And, and, and I get it. Like I said, analytics, you know, they've, they've improved the sport. You know, you, you know, I was shifting. Um, I, I find it, I struggle to watch a baseball game now. And that's, that hurts, man. I, I like watching baseball. I'm completely in agreement with you, actually. Um, I particularly don't like the shift. Um, I'm very much in favor of, uh, I think that it has been bandied around that there should be kind of... Uh, particular areas of the diamond that each infielder should be able to uh, operate in and not allowed to cross over from. And I think that that should definitely be implemented because the shift, I think, um, the, the shift coupled with the kind of hitting mentality of home run or nothing, it just ends in like a hard ground ball to the same infielder so often mm-hmm. or a strikeout. And it's kind of, it's kind of choking the game. It's choking the life out of the game completely. I think, um, Interesting story. Uh, I went out with uh, Big John Nelson, and uh, he had a buddy who played baseball at Crichton, and I was chatting with him and his dad. And apparently, his grandfather played minor league baseball, and he was tearing it up one season. And this would have been probably in the 40s. And and, and what happened is uh, he was a pull hitter, and they shifted on him, and he was leading the league in average, and they hit 200 the rest of the year, and it killed it because they shifted on him. <laughs> So the ship's been around. Yeah. So I'm saying it's not. I mean, of course, now you know there's, there's always been player position positioning and batting there. Now it's just gone to the extreme. But I thought it was interesting that he, you know, he said that even back in the forties in minor league baseball they were shifting then. Yeah, so. I mean, you get you get some situations where like you'll have the second baseman in the shortstop towards kind of the left side of the second base bag, and the first baseman will be playing in left center field. If it's a righty, it's just crazy. <laughs> it's absolutely bonkers at this point. Um, it's here to stay. You gotta accept yeah, it. It's just part of the right. And yeah. it's gonna probably get worse, I think, with the pitch clock coming in. I think that's inevitable. Um, one thing I am in favour of is uh, automated umpires. After the the display by umpires this past season, um, the amount of blown calls at the major league level, I think, is an absolute disgrace. I don't know if they can do a whole lot. I mean, I. I have to admit, I do like the human element of it. So I, I, it's always been part of the game. So I understand it. But now with replay, it, it really kind of shows. And I still think the umpire at like a 96% level. So that's still pretty good. And you're never going to really hit that 100% level. Quite possibly. Yeah, I might be overly, I might be being overly harsh on them uh, due to uh, certain things that didn't go my way this season. <laughs> but <laughs> that's another story. Now, so um, I referenced it on my Bubba on Baseball account, and there was a blown call, and I believe it was a 1983 World Series versus the, it was the Royals and the Cardinals, and the umpire blew the call at first that should have given uh, the Cardinals um, the win, the, the win um, after the World Series, and uh, it was it was terribly bad. At first base call, extended the inning, they, they ended up tying and winning the game, um, and I think the Royals ended up winning that World Series because of it. Because of it, um, but yeah, so it happens, and it just seems when it's at key times, it just it hurts that much more. There was a Detroit Tiger pitcher who was on a perfect game until the final out as well, wasn't there? A few years back, and then the umpire at first blew the call, 
um, and called the runner safe. And I remember the guy, the umpire, was actually in tears after the game, uh, talking to the media and saying, hey, I fucked up. Uh, I, I, it was my fault, and I'm very sorry. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember that. I want to say it was Armando Benitez, but I know that's not right. Um, was it, Ar- was it yeah. Armando Galarraga? That's who it yeah. was, Armando Galarraga. I believe yeah. so, yeah. I remember so. I remember seeing highlights of that game afterwards and just thinking, wow. I mean... <laughs> and a, per- a perfect game. I think there's only been 30. Maybe it's like 50, but there's not a lot. I mean, there's obviously more no-hitters. So. Yeah. But yeah. Because uh, I'm actually listening to this new podcast, and I'll give them a shout-out, uh, Two Strike Noise. They're kind of baseball historians, and they were talking about how they've seen combined five perfect games. So between the two of the guys, they've accounted for one-sixth of all perfect games played, done. That's insane, isn't it? Even, exactly. even when you look back to the you know, the dead ball era, and the, the, it was still very rare that you would see a perfect game. Yeah, um, it's no, amazing. I mean, and then you look at a guy like uh, Justin Berlander, who's thrown so many no hitters. You look at a guy like Nolan Ryan, who's threw a record number of no hitters. Yeah, but, but, you know, you know, he, he, you know, strike out eighteen one. Yeah, hard out. So. <laughs> it, it's pretty special. Um, yeah. Let's move on then. Uh, so, Jason, we are joined by a couple of old teammates of yours, uh, Ren Quantrill and Rudy Dunn of the Edinburgh Cannons. Yeah, I've, I've played with them for many years now, so I'm excited to have them on. And the first Edinburgh-based podcast we've had this indeed season. it is. Uh, you guys are finally getting a bit of uh, a bit a piece of the action here. Um, guys, would you like to introduce yourselves individually? Yep, no worries. Uh, I'm Rudon, the current manager of the Cannons and the uh, longest tenured player in Edinburgh, I believe, at the moment still as well, ever since Jason stepped down. And hi, I'm Ren Quantrill. Um, I'm yeah, play Rivery on the Cannons, uh, playing first base, centre field, and pitching a bit this season. I've been playing for four or five seasons now. Right. So, Rory, we were actually discussing this in the intro. Now that Gio has stepped down, that makes you the longest tenured player in Scotland. Oh, does it? I didn't know if anyone in Glasgow might have uh, one up me. Because uh, it depends. Because I think there's probably one or two folk who started playing. Uh, juniors or anything a younger age. Yeah, maybe that you know that might be Jason. Yeah, well, I was wondering. I mean, you know, I don't know how old Jason is now, but he seems to have been around forever, like myself as well. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll have to figure that out one day to figure out who's been around longer. Yeah. But yeah, at your sixteen years, it would be right. Yeah, I know. There. I know. I got my ten, ten and five rights a while ago, so no one can trade me away now, which is good. <laughs> but do you want to trade? That's important. Hmm? Do you want to be traded? You know, who, who are we going to trade you oh, to? Oh, no, 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 no. No, but the, uh, the great resurgent cannons that we are, we are now. Yeah, it doesn't be important. Yes. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the 2019 yep. season. Um, obviously, the 2018 season did not go well at all. Can, can you uh, <laughs> let the listeners know what exactly happened? Because I know I was part of the reason that the season didn't uh, go well, so well. but uh, Well, I wouldn't uh, brag too hard, Jason. I mean, the season before that didn't go very well either. Um, pretty much the 2018 season, uh, it was a transitional year. We lost quite a lot of players between 20, uh, 2017 and 2018, and especially quite a lot of the um, seasoned ringer slash uh, 
experienced players were gone, so we were kind of left to... Uh, it wasn't so much a rookie team, but to find out what team we were in the year by playing a lot of baseball and unfortunately losing a lot of baseball. And that's that, that I, must have been tough. I would say that must have been tough because you know you lost myself, you lost Roger. Yeah, I think who else was there? It was, um, you lost Dan. A hundred years experience. Uh, on that yeah, team. well, I mean, we pretty much lost. Uh, we lost our three, four, five hitters, our starting pitchers our catcher and our center fielder. So it's kind of everything up the middle that does the important things left in one year. Um, unexpectedly as well. But Gilberto? Gilberto we lost? Uh, well, yeah, we lost Gilberto. I, I, mean, I don't know what's... Uh, we lost Gilberto as well. I mean, I mean, if I went through and looked at it, there's so many folk that have been lost and that uh, or people that, you know, they say they'll be along sometime soon and then you never hear from them for a while, which is fair enough. People have other commitments. Well, well 16 years of Scottish baseball, where you, you'll definitely you'll almost see um, that. I, I, I think, I mean, I'm sure there's probably going to be something start of next season. I'll be like, well, I've never seen that before. Uh, well done. And, and Ren, you were on the team last year. What, what were your thoughts about the season? Uh, yeah, I, I was... Uh... Sadly, I also, I mean, I was, I was, didn't leave, leave, but I, I left for the majority of the summer, which uh, probably didn't help matters either. But um, I know I, I left and it was all, I mean, we weren't playing terribly well. And um, obviously it's, it's not impossible to have fun when you aren't winning, but it's, it makes it a lot harder. And uh, I think when I came back, uh, I was in the US for three months. Um, and when I came back in the beginning of September, we, there were a lot of new guys on the team um, who, were kind of fresh and ready to to give the good go, and I don't think they were too demoralised by the fact that uh, we weren't winning at the moment, and they understood the process that we were going to have to go through to get better. And I think this season's been just pretty great, really. Um, whilst we didn't necessarily win, we won a lot more, um, and I think it was just a really fun environment to be around. And uh, so you can see that I think no one expected the transition uh, to given everyone that we did lose in 2018, but I don't think anyone expected that it was going to all of a sudden be back to some, some great days straight away. But um, this season has been a lot better for sure. And you can see that mm. process moving on right. now. So, so let's talk about this season. So what were the keys to the season? I mean, you guys got off to a hot start. You got uh, a, a great import. Uh, let me talk about that. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, we'd be lying if we didn't say that, uh, our our starting pitching wasn't uh, the biggest difference maker. Having a great import in uh, Sam Davidson as a starting pitcher and being pretty much just a lights out level. He's, I mean, I've, like I said, I've been around for a while and that's pretty, probably the highest level of pitcher I've seen in the Scottish League. I'm trying to think who I might compare his pitching to. So it definitely, that was a big help knowing that, you know, the pitching taken care of, all we have to worry about is hitting and maybe catching one if he doesn't strike everyone out. <laughs> no, I mean, that's it. I'm, I mean, I'm trying to think what what was his name from the Devils that played for one year as well? Uh, how far back are you going now? Because, um, I mean, the, the, the closest one I can think of is Mike Smith. No, not that I know, but that's the, that, that's the closest one that I could think of off the top of my head was Mike Smith for us back in the first years of the Cannons. But the same yeah, guy I think no, were he threw hard and you know it was harder than a lot of folk had ever seen before. 
no, I'm trying to think. Uh, he was the guy that learned ben. the knuckleball on the fly. You're thinking of Ben, I think it was, yeah? Ben, ben Pope. Ben Pope was uh, was the other person that you could clearly see was a level above yeah. everyone else. So It was definitely there was college experience uh, from the States there. and uh, But the good thing about Sam and that level above, it wasn't just that his skills were a level above, but he brought that higher mentality towards the preparation for the game, and that's rubbed off on the whole team. Because he wasn't just a great pitcher, but he has helped so many people um, improve, and he's helped in coaching and helped in mentality and being a team and helping everyone out. And, you know, it's sad that he, you know, we lost him. He went back home to the States. But that mentality that he brought to the team just in that short time, that's something that is going to stick around and is going to help everyone work as a team and get better in the next couple of years. Now, we'll, we'll touch Sam's yeah. injury later in the podcast, obviously, yeah. because that was a heavy blow for him. But, um, Ren, what did you get from him? I know I, I came to training a few times and I saw him working with you. What did you take with him, uh, especially as I when you were working with him? He was working with you on pitching. Yeah, no, it was, it was just fantastic, really, having him around to uh, just kind of pick his brain, really, every every time he was down at training, whether that be like pitching mechanics itself, uh, which we did a lot of work on, but also just kind of general preparation for the game. Um, and I think, like, just going on from what Rui was just saying, like having um, Sam Rang give a lot of people in the team a real vision, really, of what was the kind of level you could get to. Um, and I think that's so as much as just people having fun and playing a bit, people really wanted to get better because they could visualise what they could hopefully one day achieve. Um, and I think so a combination of him, like be willing to help people get better, but also being that talent, um, yeah, really, really, pretty much. It was just fun. I think it really just turned a lot of heads, really. Um, but yeah, certainly on a personal level, um, he spent a lot of time with me working on various um, bits and bobs, pitching wise for sure, um, and could be only picked it apart. And there's a lot of stuff to work on, which is is great. So going into the season, you guys did not win a game the previous season. What were you guys' thoughts about how the team was looking before game one? Uh, well, for myself, because unfortunately I, I missed the last uh, couple of weeks of the end of the season beforehand, so I hadn't really um, met Sam. Uh, I hadn't really seen Sam in action, so to speak, until the winter training. But I'd heard tale that, oh, there's this really good pitcher coming down. And I'd only just got to meet a few other guys that joined towards the end, like Gio, Miguel, Sam, Brian, this, kind of, this new kind of core that we have that all joined around the same time in that year. So, I mean, I was optimistic because I knew that we had a good team and we had the base of a good team but I was very much in a I don't quite know you know these people what their role is how they work together what it could be so I was um, but thankfully these are all people that came to the training sessions before the game so I kind of knew that these are people that were going to put the work in to play the game well and so I kind of knew that with a good pitcher on the mound all we had to worry about like I said earlier was just the hitting and make sure that we actually put some runs on the board because as long as we hit, you know, we kind of, we were guaranteed to at least hold the team, hold the, um, oh, this terrible, I can't remember who we opened the season against. I think, honestly, it was the Colts, I think. Yep. Yeah. yeah. As I long as we held them yeah. to, you know, a, a couple of runs, we'd have that in the bag. So it was, it was a lot of optimism, um, probably more optimism than I actually had for the past couple of years because even the years before that, the 2017 2016 season, when you were still around, Jason, there was still that kind of 
uncertainty of how a game might go because you didn't quite know who was going to turn up. Yes, the usual uh, problem with Scottish baseball is like, well, we've got nine guys. We don't know which nine guys. <laughs> we'll figure it out when yeah, we get in the field. Exactly. But, you know, knowing that something like that, one, that whole side of the game was locked down, taken care of, that made it a lot easier to manage and to focus more on the game than to worry about every little detail possibly falling apart or anything that might go wrong. And so how did you find this? This is your second year managing uh, or co-managing. It was, I mean, it's, I'm still adjusting to it because uh, the year before it was very much reluctant managing. Um, I was, it was kind of a co-management setup, but uh, my co-manager unfortunately didn't uh, appear much. So I ended up having to do it more through reluctance. So knowing that this year it was going to be managing fully, I was a lot more prepared and ready for it, but it's still, it's, it's that side of the game that I, I was still very reluctant to, it actually took, you know, folk team, it's going, it was actually, I think it was um, Josef, uh, one of our umpires from Hungary. He took me aside and I said, he said to me very directly, if you ask anybody, if you ask the bench to do something or to help out something, nobody will do it because they were all looking at each other. If you ask one person with a name and you look at them, they will go and do that. So do not be afraid to assert and have one person, one person, one person, and then you will get the confidence and not worry about making the wrong decision because you at least have made a decision rather than just uh, saying something into the air and hoping that someone else gets involved in it, if that makes any sense. No, absolutely. You know, I know exactly where you're coming from there, where you, know, you have to uh, tell people you need to do this and they'll do it. But yeah, you look at everyone, they look at you, you're speaking the German or something. So, no. well, how do you guys think the season went for you? Well, I mean, it got off to a pretty good start. You had Sam pitching. Had a lot of new blood yeah. in there, and progressed. Well, I'll let Ren answer one first bit. Yeah, I, I think it was. Um, I, it was obviously a lot. It was a lot of fun to start winning some games, and uh, I think there was definitely some competitiveness, especially when we faced up against uh, you know Luke for the um, the Galaxy. When there was, it had this kind of feeling of um, a real pitcher's duel, and so when you did take the extra base or score runs or in any, any kind of situation where you're providing good offense, it felt valuable, um, which it's not, I've not, not never taken part in a game where that's the case, but uh, it really felt more important in these kind of games. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, but then I think there was once we kind of caught wind that Sam might be leaving. Um, it was quite difficult to go between. It, it was trying not to just feel like, we can rely on Sam and don't, it was trying to make sure that everyone, yeah, still a job, knew they still had jobs to do themselves. And um, so when he did leave, it wasn't going to be a drastic drop off. And it, it, it wasn't, I think if you just look at the results, it looks maybe worse than it was, but I think there's a lot of going into next season without Sam. I think we're aware now that like we, we are competent of pulling off uh, results ourselves without, feeling like Sam was a one-man team because I really, I mean, he was great, but I don't think he was the be-all and end-all of what we had. I think there's a lot of other guys um, in the team that really can win us some games. So, um, no, it was, it was a lot of fun both with um We were still able to have fun without Sam, but even without the results, I think. 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's a team game. Yeah, you know, with Sam, you, you know, it's great. We have him, we don't have him. You just have to kind of make do with what you do, and you still want to go out there and win. So I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Yeah, for me, it was, it was. I mean, it was. It was a year of uh, two halves. Obviously, there was the the early half when we seemed to be on a streak, on a roll, going well. And then that last half, it kind of petered out as uh, – well, like I said, you know, we lost our starting pitcher, but we also lost quite a lot of players. We lost Ren for a while. We lost myself for a while. We lost uh, Gio, our star third baseman, for a while. And it, it struggled. We kind of, we didn't so much struggle towards the end, but I think all of our games, I think we only kind of, there was only two games that we won by Mercy Rule. We seem to only have tight games. We always seem to have right. just enough hitting. Oh, and it was especially the games towards the end of August. I mean, the, three games we played in the end of August against the Express, they were all tight games. It was still, you know, it was a run here, there. It was close. We, we we're always just seemed to be that that was just that little slight, we either won and it was enough or we just lost and we felt like it was so close. But it meant that every game felt like a battle. Every game, that's some of the tensest games I've played in have been this year because everything felt like it was always very close and it could just be you know, one booted ball in the outfield would be the difference and everyone was very aware of that. But it sounds like there was a lot more close games this year. I mean, there's obviously always going to be blowouts, yeah. but was that different for you? I mean, you mentioned that it was, you know, uh, you know, nail-biting like that there, but I mean, uh, it has the level of Scottish baseball risen enough now that the games are pretty competitive no matter who you're playing? I think the, the level's risen. Um but I think it's also, it's all the teams are, it's quite, it's so evenly matched. I mean, yes, you know, the, there's, there wasn't that, there's a, the bottom and the very top, there's still a disparity. But in the middle, I think until the last week, there was almost every team apart from the Oilers was still, you know, capable of a winning record or at least qualifying for the postseason, which is, you know, unheard of it's it was so close in that middle of everyone I think a lot of teams ended up pretty much around about 500 which shows how close it all was and we were close we obviously covered the scores here on the podcast and we were trying to figure out who was going to be in that third and fourth spot because I think last year in the Caledonian Cup you got six teams or everyone got invited where this year they took the top yep. four so I know there was like some crazy tiebreakers to make sure the Giants got in that <laughs> was it was great. I, I was um, because the cannons weren't playing the last weekend of the season. We were very much sitting by the phone, waiting to hear what was going to happen. And I think it was up in Aberdeen between yeah, the was, Express. Yeah, I remember very well. Yeah, but the week yeah, before that, I was on holiday in the Highlands, and so every time I got signaled, there was about six or seven messages on the kind of ed, the Scottish managers group chat of every possible tie break situation. <laughs> so every time I might, you know get a train to somewhere my phone is suddenly spring to life with all these messages of everyone trying to figure out what the run differential might be of this here and who has home fields it wasn't very relaxing for a holiday I'll tell you that much after a month for working the festival I can't imagine yeah. it would be very and of course you have John who was on the other end of this who was last game of the season did not that's go well that's correct yeah um, oh, the, yeah. Comments, uh, the comments last game of the season uh, we we had a chance to make it until the last weekend, but um, the results didn't really go our way in Edinburgh. We played the Giants or elsewhere, and we ended up uh, just narrowly missing out on the postseason tournament. But it happens. I mean, like I said, this is the first year they only had four teams. Um, 
I think it made it exciting. I think that was probably one of the things that people really got excited about was the fact like we're battling for that third and fourth spot there, and it seemed like it went down to the to the, the wire. And I think that that was really cool. Well, it's like we talked about on the last episode, Jason. Um, it makes it more interesting when you have a situation like the one we had this year with the title. Um, the Galaxy kind of ran away with it. Um, eventually, uh, like the guys have said, Sam was very dominant in the first half of the season. Um, and obviously, like like Rudy said, it was a season of two halves for those guys. Uh, the Galaxy, obviously, they didn't run into that problem at all. Um, and they kind of ended up winning it quite comfortably again. Uh, so I think, like we talked about in the last episode, the, the, the kind of battle for the top four, it makes it more interesting for, for the rest of the teams in situations like that. And it makes you, it pushes you a bit more than it would normally. And it's not just about having fun and winding down your games anymore. It's about trying to, to earn something. Absolutely. It definitely makes the last weekend a lot more interesting when you're, uh, the game matters a lot more when it's the difference between getting up at six in the morning to go to Aberdeen or getting a home game as well. <laughs> Exactly, yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And there's things like that that come into play now, which I think is a testament to the the growing uh, structure of the, the league as well. And the league is becoming more and more organized, um, and I think it makes for a more exciting game. It's like you guys have said as well, it makes for more close games, it makes for better quality of baseball, and it makes for, for more interesting structure to the season. All right, well, since we've talked about Sam a few times, why don't you guys explain exactly what happened to Sam? I mean, was either one of you guys there when it happened? Uh, I'll, yeah, I'm, leader, and I wasn't there, unfortunately, on the day that no, I, I wasn't there either. Um, oh, yes, you weren't. <laughs> so, sorry, maybe not the best people to have on for that. But um, no, it was, I, I heard, I mean, it seemed graphic enough from what I, what I managed to pick up uh, from others who were there. It was um, I'll, I'll the picture. It was a home game in Edinburgh in August. It was Sam's last game before Sam went off to. Uh, he is uh, now a Princeton. Princeton, thank you. I was about to say Rutgers, but it's Princeton. That would have got a lot of pelters. Um, yes, yeah, so he was moving back to New Jersey to do his fellowship at Princeton. So he knew this was his last game, and it was against the Devils. It was a double header in Edinburgh. Um, he. Uh, well, pretty much he threw a pitch and everyone heard a very loud pop at the field. And I believe from memory that he had uh, snapped his, uh, oh, what, I can't remember the name of the bone it was, but it's your upper arm. It's is it humorous. Is it, is it humorous? It was, it was humorous. It was, yeah, so he'd snapped his humorous on a pitch, which um, I felt really bad because about you know, when he said to me that he was going home uh, just a month or two beforehand, I'd said, well, I'm going to throw you out there every day and just uh, get as much out of your arm as I can before it falls off. So I felt kind of guilty as a manager. <laughs> so you're responsible for him losing his I, arm. I don't want to say I am because, I mean, I, I tried. I tried to bring in relief, but we had, all, we had these games which were too close to even go to the bullpen. After that happened, uh, guys, did, did either of you or did the guys in general, did you visit with or have any contact with Sam after the injury? Uh, I did. I was working that day, unfortunately. Being August, I work in the uh, in the theatre in Edinburgh, so I'm never around in August, so I'm always working. But I was, um, we'd, uh, I'd actually had dinner with Sam uh, the Monday before that, me and my girlfriend, and 
Sam and his partner, Alexis, we had dinner to say goodbye to them, knowing it was the only day we'd get a chance to. And so I was straight on the phone to Alexis, his partner, to make sure that, A, what's happening? Is everything all right? I knew they'd be taken to the Royal Infirmary in Edinburgh, which is not far from where I live and where my partner was staying that night. So I'd said, if you need to crash somewhere, give us a call, free bed. If you need to, Sam's being kept in, keep me informed. I understand a lot of members of the team um, were offering to, you know, come and pick them up and drive them back to where they were staying if they needed to, because they were leaving. They were getting on a plane 48 hours after that. Like they had packed up their flat, they had everything in boxes, and they were supposed to be on a plane on the Tuesday after that happened. Yeah, it was quite quick. Yeah. I knew they were they were out. It, it was really his last hurrah. Yeah, the, yeah, the last thing. So I mean, I I don't know if any of the team went to visit. Also, I think it was kind of hard to go. It's not really. It's kind of hard to do visiting in the A and E on a Sunday. Um, and I know, but I know that just from uh, the team group chat, there was invitations and offers of helping them move, helping get them to the airport, whatever they needed in the next forty-eight hours to help them out. Because obviously, you know, Sam had shattered his right arm and was mostly incapacitated and kind of out of it and painkillers as well to a degree. So, yeah. Ren, talk me through the. Um... Talk me through how it felt to play the following game then after Sam's injury. Um, what were the kind of, uh, was there anything in the back of you guys' head that kind of, um, I hesitate to use the term safety net, but the guy who had been the kind of the core of the team, um, regardless of whether he was, it was his last uh, game anyway, but was there any kind of psychological impact with the way that it ended for Sam yeah. uh, on you guys? Um, well, so sadly, that was the that was actually the first game that I was missing. I was uh, away for the month of August. As well as Bavuri, but I was I was away traveling with a friend. So, I I mean I I gathered bits and bobs from the uh, the group chat as well, and I think they were planning on going for drinks that evening, and then managed to reschedule that. I think before they left. Um, but I think so. Whilst it was going to be a sad day anyway, it kind of got a bit overshadowed with, um, you know, ob- obviously far more. A far more dramatic um, emotion, but I, I, I think there was a lot of people. Then uh, Sam did his part as well as wanting to. I think the whole team then really it almost bonded us to kind of come together and try and win more and to kind of keep it going. Um, as we, I mean, we knew it was going to be hard without him, but I think it was almost like you know, let's do it, try and keep the season going for us. Um, for especially given that he had literally given his arm um, <laughs> for the for the team, so I, I think um, it almost. I, I think I mean I don't want to say it was. I think it almost motivated us more. I mean, when, when I came back, there was I definitely saw the um, that kind of feeling within the team that we wanted to win more um, for for him and for, for that reason. There's you know still now what we've been finished playing for got to be at least a month and he's he has really said it again like just putting on a backpack um so i i think yeah the the kind of repercussions for him we we all were aware of uh how much that was going to set him back especially moving back over to the states so yeah i think we just it kind of probably motivated the team um a lot a lot more to try and get some wins um than it may would have otherwise you know And what's the uh, update on Sam now? Is he he okay? 
Uh, last I heard, he, he, I mean, he's, he's grand. He's at the cast. He's obviously um, it's atrophied from misuse so heavily. So he's got a lot of physio work and a lot of just work to kind of build back up muscle mass. So he's got regular use of his right arm. But um, I mean, he's very active still on the group chat, letting us know how things are going. He's desperately trying to find some cheap flight deals to make it for the awards ceremony okay. uh, next weekend. I, I don't know. For some reason, he thinks he might be in line for an award. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> on that note, uh, on that note, Rory, um, I don't suppose there's any chance you might give us a sort of hint as to who some of your award win, your award winners might be on the team. Um, hint, well, I mean, the only awards that we're doing for as a canon sole one would be hitter of the year, pitcher of the year, defensive player of the year, and then rookie of the year. Um, just to keep things simple. Uh, I mean, the pitcher of the year is kind of an obvious one, but I, I want to. I'm actually going to announce it within the team uh, in a couple of weeks, possibly even at the award ceremony. So I don't want to give it away officially. Yep. Nope, that's fair. We were wondering if that was going to be the case or not. So uh, if you guys are going to announce it at, at the awards or whatnot, but uh, uh, yeah, it was one of the things we definitely discussed, and we can you know get you back on. For the awards, I'm guessing the rest of the teams will be doing the same thing, and you can give us a quick rundown on everyone who won everything. Yeah. So, Rudy, I want to quickly ask you a, a couple of questions: one about kind of the past, and one more toward the future. Uh, firstly, to go back, um, when you took over as manager from Jason uh, at the beginning of the 2018 season, um, obviously we've gone over the the hurdles that you guys faced. Uh, the the very challenging season that you guys had last year and I know how that feels given that the Comets had quite a few last place finishes in a row. Um, it can be a lot of pressure, it can be very intense at times. Was there any discussion at any point given how much of the core of your club was ripped out of the Cannons ever uh, disbanding or assimilating into any of the other teams? Um, well, the I'd be lying if I said it was the idea wasn't floated, and this was mainly midway through last season when it wasn't so much the results, but it was the lack of players. It was always seemed to be a struggle to even get nine people due to people. Like I said we lost players. People were away for long stretches of time. I myself, you know, I'm always away during August because I have to work um, almost every day in August, unfortunately, and it was kind of. While I was away, I think this idea had been... No, it was before I left, actually, sorry. This idea had been floated. And I had kind of said, um, the last thing I want to do is disband a team because we'll never get a team back together. And it's, you know, it's give us time. Give us the end of the season. Let's look back at this in the winter. Because, you know, you say we're only... We're struggling to make players. The results don't bother me. I mean... As much as I might uh, moan about it, I don't mind giving up 30-odd runs to the, the Comets. It's more fun than uh, not playing baseball. <laughs> because you have done that pitching before. I have done that, yes, thank you. Oh, I, 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 think, I think I remember that happening. <laughs> I, 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 I do, believe it. <laughs> to be fair, I had to go to the hospital, so you had to go jump in an emergency. So you had about, like, what, an hour's notice to figure out who was pitching that game? Uh, yeah, I had about an hour's notice to figure out what a strike zone was, and I'm still struggling to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, the, yeah, there was some discussion, and I kind of like I 
not so much stamped and moaned and put my foot down, but I kind of said, give us a time. And then, we, like I said, we had this influx of uh, players in August. Gio, Miguel, Martin, Brian, Sam. Uh, I'm trying to think if I've forgotten anyone who joined about that time. I'm very sorry if I have. But we had this influx of players who have become some of the most regular players now, and they're there every game they can be. They're there for all the training sessions. And that's my kind of like, I think of it, you, if you're only missing one or two people, it can take not that much time for there's something to be four or five people. So now the Cannons actually in Edinburgh are looking like they have the biggest roster. And it's not like we've added anyone this year. It's just that we are returning so many people now from last year and people came back who had been away for a bit. And so, yeah, it, I'm glad that um, that conversation kind of went away and I'm, I'm, because I would have hated to have lost a whole Edinburgh team and so much possibility. Because for what we've been this year as a team and everyone together, if that hadn't been at all, you know, if we'd been binned and pulled from the league and everyone had been spread out, it would have been a very, it wouldn't have been the same year because this year has been absolutely enjoyable from having such a great team aesthetic and team morale. It's been night and day. So yeah, you've managed to you've managed to kind of bring the cannons uh, back together. Um, you've pieced them together using kind of older pieces and obviously some very impactful new pieces. With uh, with that having been done this year in consolidating um, you guys place back kind of toward the middle and for a time toward the top of the table. Um, what do you see as the next necessary step to taking the cannons back to what they were a few years back? Um, well, I mean, the Cannons, the first couple of years when we were top of the league, the first three years of the Scottish League, to take the Cannons back to that, I, I think it's just uh, time. We have a, a core group we have, and some of those members of that group have only been playing now for maybe a year, a year and a half. And, you know, they're still learning as they go. And that's a... a the fact that we finished as high up as we did this year was an amazing turnaround. And I think we're only just getting started and there's going to be so much growth in some of the players we do have. And I can't wait to see um, where we take it from here. Excellent. Um, Ren, for you, a, specific, a playing specific question. Um, did you, coming into the 2019 season, sorry, did you, coming into the 2019 season, set yourself any personal goals and what would be your assessment of your personal performance over the year? I think that the beginning of the season, I, a lot. It's been a really exciting season um, from a team standpoint, but uh, and a national standpoint uh, of what we've done down in Kent and then hosting the tournament up here as well. But I think personally, um, back in February or whatever, whenever we started uh, winter training, I don't think I could ever really seen the season going the way it has done, and. Um, it's opened my eyes a lot more to like I, possibilities I didn't even know existed. Um, so I, I think there's. I mean, I've been re- I'm really happy with the way it's gone, and uh, I've been able to play a lot more baseball than I thought I was going to be able to. Which is, I mean, something I, obviously I wouldn't be playing. I love it. I wouldn't be playing. Uh, wouldn't be playing baseball if I didn't enjoy that. So I, I think the exposure to more opportunities has been a lot of fun. Um, and then, yeah, just, I mean, I've been just really grateful, really, for 
opportunities to go down south and play and um especially over the summer um when I was in Edinburgh there was a, a lot of times when with Adam Murphy who had just gone back to Australia but almost daily we were down uh down at our field together uh, training so I think there's yeah I'm really grateful for the opportunities but also the people that have helped me get there um and I think on the on the field it's um reflected in some parts but I think there's more that I can look forward into the years ahead and hope that it gets better and uh with devoting time to it um I can only hope it will so before you get off the subject, Ren, uh, I was going to ask you now. You're playing. Uh, are you playing with the Great Britain national team, with the under twenty ones, or you're training with them? What What's the story behind okay, that? Okay, so I, yeah, I went down for a. They they were hosting um, some trials down for the under twenty three national team uh, down right. in March. So I, I went down for those, um, and I couldn't really have been happy with how they went. Um, it, yeah, went really well for me, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, to meet the guys down there and uh, from there they invited me onto the expanded roster for the um, European Championships that were being held um, in the kind of mid early to mid August um, I think I'm right in saying yeah and so there were a couple of other um, training sessions that I went down for which <laughs> led to quite a, a few rather hectic weekends but I, mean, I wouldn't have had it any other way I was driving down on Fridays training with them on Saturdays, driving back Saturday night, and then we had a Cannons game a couple of weekends on the Sunday as well. So um, it was it was a real adventure, really. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's what I was really hinting at with uh, just opportunities. I, I didn't even know there was a national team set up back in the beginning of the year. Um, and I didn't make the team for this summer, but um, I'm still in contact with the coaches and a lot of the guys on there. It's, it's just awesome to see... There's so much baseball in the UK. Um, and I, I, I mean, I assumed there would be some down in England as well, but not to the extent that there is. So I think that, as well as uh, the London series, um, it's just been a really, really cool season to see how expanded, really, uh, baseball is and where it's going. I think with like the way that Scotland, we've gone down as the Team Scotland to Kent at the beginning of the summer, and then that really kind of set the precedent for the way forward, I think. And I think that's something that, from what I hear, is really what we're wanting to carry on. And uh, so from a personal, then team and national standpoint, I think all three of those things this season have really progressed. So uh, this is a really exciting time, really. And Rory, what about you? What, did you have any goals yet set up for the the season you know stay uh stay healthy uh lead the league in steals <laughs> um well I, I keep waiting for the year that my wheels finally fall off um i mean the same goal as every year at home run uh well this year i um due to the due to the position being in flux the past year or two i decided to pretty much take up catching on the fly kind of thinking along the lines of it's i will happily play anywhere my favorite position is second base, which is manned by a lot of people. So where can I be of most use? So I decided to go and catch as much as possible to try and at least put, her, put her as reliable a pair of hands back there as we can. So my thumb is only just healed from uh, all of Sam's fastballs. They were fun. So no, my, 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 kinda, my goal was not to hit that or whatever. It was just to be, you know, put, do as well as I could 
learning a new position on the fly. I mean, I've, I called for you, Jason, a couple of times out of necessity. But that's, that's easy enough when you're floating in. Uh, exactly half a stamp speed, you know, that's easy then. You're, you're floating in what is not even his change-up. You've got so much more time to think about where your feet could be, whereas uh, <laughs> it's a lot more reactionary when someone's throwing in the uh, low 80s. Or when you're trying to just chase uh, however much movement Ren's getting on everything that day. Uh, no, I didn't have anything really as a personal goal. Um, I mean, for me, I'm happy if I hit 300 and, you know, at least don't... I, my biggest, I hate striking out. That's the one thing. I hate striking out, and I think I struck out the most this year. So that's probably the biggest disappointment for me. Is that, is that also fine with your goal of trying to hit a home run? You, you've taken that analytics approach where it's all and nothing. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm all about a uh, backspin. Uh, I'm really hoping next year we get some juiced balls so we can be in line with the major leagues. You, you, you changed your, your swing plane completely this season. And then just yeah, I completely retooled it. I, um, I check swing like uh, like Votto now, but I, I hack like Justin So, yeah, I just had one more question for uh, both guys, actually. Um, do you have a, a game of the season from a Canon's perspective? And to, uh, my other question was going to be, uh, what was one of your highlights? So, if those can tie in, great. If not, let's, uh, let's hear what you guys have to say. Okay, okay. Um, and that can be team highlight or personal highlight, either way. Yeah, I'm, tr I'm, tr I'm trying to pick a, a single game of the season. Um, I mean, it's also my memory is terrible, so I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I'm on the same page. Um, okay, well, right. let's go with personal highlight for yourself first, and then I'll give you guys a chance to think about what happened to me as a team one. Um, the personal highlight for myself for the season would definitely be the Kent tournament. I know that's not very Cannons orientated, but to take a, a Scottish team down to England and come back as champions was definitely, that's not just a, like a year highlight, that's a all-time career highlight for me. And how'd you do in the tournament? Well, um, like personally or <laughs> the team? Yeah. yeah. Personally, I, I, not bad. I think I got a couple of knocks. I mean, uh, if anything, again, I was catching there in the tournament just because I had the most familiarity with Sam pitching. And that's definitely when I kind of went, I am not a very good catcher. Uh, this is hard. As I definitely, my... Uh, I injured my thumb a lot this season, uh, spraining it a lot and never letting it heal. And so I definitely sprained it on like the third pitch in the final. And after that, I was never fully able to actually catch anything square. So there was a lot of kind of dropped, dropped past balls. And I just very kind of rightly told Paul to suck me out because this is not going to work if I keep catching. So it was a bit demoralizing, but to go on and win it, or win the actual final, it's... Uh, like I said, that's something that I would have thought we'd be doing in the past 17 years ever. And, you know, I wouldn't want to say happy to retire then because there's a lot more to go, but it was definitely a year career highlight. And what about you, Ren? You've had some time to think about this. You must be able to come up with something here. Yeah, no, for sure. I think what, mine's also not terribly canons linked, um, but I think going down to the, the trials... Um, uh, Hearts was probably the given that I mean I had absolutely no idea what to expect I didn't know what kind of level I was going off as much knowledge as any one of us up in Scotland who doesn't know what's going on down south 
um, how how we'd feel. And I, I really had no idea who plays down south, to what level, where they play, or anything. So uh, it was a huge adventure, really. And um, to meet to meet uh, Liam and and Drew and the other guys in the under twenty three team and uh, the the training sessions that followed there and being out, I played down at Farnham Park, which is, I mean, for a guy who's used to playing uh, at Warriston, uh, that was a, a pretty cool experience. Um, to see actual dugouts, yeah, I mean, blew me away. Um, <laughs> so, uh, no, it was, it was really cool. I think then, um, I don't think you can really overlook the, the London series. To I was lucky enough to be down for that. And um, I initially hadn't got tickets. Um, and then decided I kind of bit the bullet and did it. And to see the way that it was organized and the way that the players, I was uh, down there for the the day on the Friday um, when the players were just, they were doing batting practice on the field and throwing a bit. And to see how excited they were as well, that uh, baseball was coming uh, to the UK. I, I think that was, that was awesome. Um, so I, th- I think the, the kind of progress on a, a national scale um with MLB was probably the coolest thing to witness for sure so you were at the game did you have any luck getting any balls when you're out there um I caught an Austin Romine BP homer uh in I don't know Saturday I, I went to both of the games I think it was the Sunday um which was pretty cool but I think other than that I mean the games were were <laughs> pretty crazy um, but it's you know everyone everyone pretty much showed up, and uh, well pitching pitching wise it wasn't necessarily amazing, but uh, to see you I mean both teams put up a fight and it was uh, just the expo- the things you necessarily might not necessarily see uh, on TV but you can appreciate when you're at the game. I think that was the kind of uh, the exposure to that was I think the coolest thing. Cool. I got one last question here, you guys. I'll let you think about it, uh, and I'll tell you what team I think it is. But if you could relate the Cannon season to an MLB team, <laughs> which team would it be? <laughs> All right, yeah, give, yeah, give me a second. <laughs> I'll let you guys think about this. So, so I, I had a thought about this today, and I think your guys' season, the Seattle Mariners season. I knew you were going to say Mariners. You, you... Of course, it is to that hot they cooled down and did all right. But that that's what I was thinking. It was like you guys you guys set up really well and then just cooled down in the middle there. I, I just said our we resemble the Seattle Mariners because we swapped out seventy five percent of our roster every year. <laughs> well I hope next that's season fair enough too. I hope next season we're a bit like the Washington Nationals this season. <laughs> How about that? Are you gonna be the buzzsaw, huh? Are you gonna be uh are you more Scherzer or are you gonna be more uh, Strasbourg? Um, I mean, if, if I would take either, to be honest, Jason, I'm not going to lie. Um, but <laughs> um, nah, I like watching them both was incredible, uh, especially last week going into the World Series. I, I don't know. <laughs> I lot. I mean, it's good to watch them both. Did you guys stay up and watch any of the games? We touched. It. So I was going to ask you if you guys actually watched much of the World Series. Uh, no, unfortunately, it's uh, on far too late, and I work far too early. And since the Red Sox weren't there, no, I missed uh, the entire World Series this year. Yeah, I, I managed Red, to. Sorry, is it your student? Yeah, lots of free time. Uh, I managed <laughs> to. 
I managed to catch most of it actually. That's kind of a bit of a privilege of being a student. I think uh, I can kind of <laughs> drop in and out of it, and sleep patterns aren't too regular. So uh, I managed to watch most of it. It was, yeah, pretty spectacular. I loved it. Cool. Well, I think that's all for today, guys. Uh, I can't thank you enough for being on. It was great to finally get the first edit of our podcast in, uh, in the belt there. You guys have been fantastic interviewees. Uh, it's been great. John, do you have anything to add? Um, just uh, thank you very much for coming, guys. I agree with Jason. It's been fantastic chatting. Um, I hope you guys enjoy the award ceremony. Have a great winter. And all the best for the Cannons uh, next season and into the future. Thank you much, John. Look forward to yeah. seeing you next year. Next time we face uh, the Comets. Yeah, thanks for having us on, guys. So, so John's retired. So oh, he's not around anymore. He'll, he'll be there. He'll be there. <laughs> yes. we'll, we'll be down there interviewing him post game. You know, we'll be in the showers with you guys going. How'd that <laughs> so uh, that was Ren and Ruri of the Edinburgh Cannons. It was absolutely fantastic having those guys on, and we want to once again thank them uh, for taking the time out to to speak to us this evening. Um, Jason, let's wrap up the show. Um, why don't you tell us uh, what you have today on your This Date in Baseball? So this one's a bit interesting. It's a bit of Yankee trivia. And, and have you seen one? Um, I did, yeah. Um, <laughs> something about a, a particular Yankee prospect uh, who eventually... So this guy... Yeah, so this was, this was Bryn Taylor, um, and he was famous for holding out for the highest amount of money... Um, there he was a lefty and uh he could throw some heat and uh he went to the yankees i think in 92 and um he he's famous because he got into a bar fight and missed the guy with his punch and hurt his shoulder and was never the same again so unfortunately at this time in 2012 um he was arrested for uh, selling crack and had been sentenced to jail <laughs> But it's the off season. There's not a whole lot of stuff to talk about there. There's MVP awards and there's Cy Youngs. And, and the, the, what happened today was probably uh, the most interesting thing that caught my attention there. But uh, he, he's quite a famous uh, draft pick who busted pretty badly. Yeah. Uh, was that the year that the Yankees drafted Jeter? No, I think Jeter was 93-94. I'm trying to remember. But no, I, I think... Um, Gosh, was, I think Jeter was 93, because then 94 would have been Alex Rodriguez. Yeah, and Jeter came into the league a year before Rodriguez, didn't he? Yeah, because I remember 94 going, here's Alex Rodriguez going to the Mariners, playing for the Mariners at 18, and going, we're the same age. This guy's incredible. <laughs> and that he was, certainly 18. I don't think there's ever been an 18-year-old player quite like Alex Rodriguez in the league. Maybe Griffey Jr. would probably come the closest. Griffey was up there. Um, there was a guy that played for Texas named David Clyde, and it was in his contract in, I think it was 1971. He was the number one draft pick, and he started a game 14 days after he graduated. So he was actually pitching for the Texas Rangers 14 days after he graduated high school. That's insane. <laughs> when I was, when I was, I was 18, I had never, I had barely played rounders, never mind being a major league baseball player at that age. <laughs> I think the youngest player was a 15-year-old named Joel Nuxhall. Uh, and uh, he pitched and won a game at 15 and then had to go back to high school. And so, in so which decade did he pitch? 
So which decade did he pitch? I want to say in the 40s. So this would have been like World War World War Two times. So obviously there was a lot of people who you know, signed up for the war there. So it was thinned out a bit. So, um, But even the fact that he was 15-year-olds and, and, and pitching in the majors is, is pretty impressive. Yeah, for sure. Um, where can people keep up with your uh, This Day in Baseball history uh, page? You can find me on all social media accounts. I particularly use Instagram. That's the one I reach out the most. Um, I'm on Facebook as well, but yeah, I use I tend to use Instagram most at Bubba on Baseball. And of course, you can find the show on anchor.fm slash caps and pipes and also on uh, whatever podcast provider you choose. Uh, we're pretty much on all of them these days. Uh, just search uh, ball caps and bagpipes uh, on your chosen streaming platform. Um, what, do you have any other links you want to plug? Not at the moment. There's a couple podcasts that I've been kind of listening to, um, but I will do that on another show where we can discuss movies and podcasts and everything else baseball related. That sounds good to me. You can hear me on both the NHC Music and NHC Gaming podcasts. Ditto, you can you can find them on pretty much all the usual streaming platforms. Just search NHC Music Podcast or NHC Gaming Podcast. Um, Beyond that, let's wrap it up. Jason, um, we are going to try and get a word with someone from Aberdeen next time, uh, obviously with the, uh, this year's annual baseball awards dinner um, taking place up in Aberdeen. And we're going to try and get a hold of the hosts and um, try and try and speak to them about their season and how things are developing up there. Um, I think it was very much a, a tale of two cities uh, in Aberdeen this year, the Oilers, uh, not um, not having quite the season I'd imagine they would have wanted to have whereas the Express in their first ever year they made it all the way to the final of the Caledonia Cup and uh, they, they played some impressive baseball as we've covered on the show so it's going to be interesting to hopefully get a chat to them uh, John Tafe as I've mentioned earlier I'm hoping to get him on the show very soon as well to talk about the Galaxy's uh, double uh, trophy winning season um, so that's kind of on the on the docket for the next wee while for the, for the time being, however, uh, we want to thank you all for listening once again, and we'll see you next time. All right. Cheers, guys. Uh, talk to you soon. See you soon. Bye, Jason. Bye.